Guess who? It's me again. It's five o'clock. You care what the mainstream media says? What's up, fam? You out there? You listening? to you live from central wisconsin where you're looking live at the foxhole.app that's right the foxhole.app do me a favor tell a friend tell a family member about pill.net and the foxhole.app there's a great platform that is helping all of us who have been banned off of every other platform still try to do what we love to do and bring together the messaging and the information that we think is important in our world so do me a favor grab that link out of a foxhole.app right there Drop it into your favorite social media and say, hey, come hang out with us, make an account with us, and check out the great creators that are over here. Today, there's there's a ton of people that are live, as as you can see on the left of your screen there. Uh, just Informed Media, 412 and on. Belushi just went live, 412 and on. Uh, Based Amy, uh, Christian Patriot, Chill Gaming, PTP Podcast. Uh, TikToks is live right now, and the list goes on. So if you can't find somebody you like uh, to listen to and find out uh, information from different perspectives, over at the Foxhole app, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I don't know what to tell you then. You know what I'm saying? So I appreciate all you guys being over here today, as you guys are every day in the Foxhole app. I can't do this without you, and I appreciate you guys very much. Palladius first in the house. Blue eyes open. Alicia B. Anaconda in Arizona. Thank you guys for being here over today at the Foxhole app. If you want to find out everything uncensored, go to uncensoredabe.com. Check it out when you get time. You can find the Telegram and true social links on there, as well as the podcast. Podbean, iHeart, Apple, Google, Spotify. Pick one, anyone. We've also been added to some other. Uh, smaller podcast platforms recently and i'll see if i can pull that up real quick uh, there's there's uh just kind of some newer smaller uh, platforms but pretty much any podcasting platform that is out there we're on it now so check that out when you guys get time uh well, podcast is now on pod chaser so we added pod chaser and another smaller one too i can't remember the name of it but so anyways trying to expand and get, get the message out as much as possible we're streaming on telegram now so if you uh, happen to be you know scrolling through telegram and you want to see what's coming on over here and you can't uh, hop into the to uh, the live stream, you can always just catch it from over there as well. So trying to spread the word as much as possible. You know what I'm saying? You can also watch it directly from the website. Just click the watch button right there. A little pop-up button will come out and boom, somebody will come showing up over there. Hey, that's pretty cool, huh? Anyways, uh, <laughs> it doesn't work quite work quite right. I got to work on a lot of that stuff. I have some tweaks on everything I need to do as always, but hey. 
That's how it goes. You can check out the live stream every day, Monday through Friday, 4 p.m. Central, 5 Eastern on the Foxhole.app, DLive, Twitch, Rumble, CloudHub, and Tiger Network, YouTube, Bandas, eh, whatever. So be it. The last two shows are always up on the screen, as well as previous shows. I think you need to see that that interview I, had to, I mentioned earlier with uh, Dr. G- Judy Mikovits is still up on the website right there if you want to check that out. If you want to help me keep the lights on, you can do it through your favorite platforms, such as the Foxhole.app or Rumble or others. You can also do Cash App, PayPal, and Patreon. I'm probably going to change those, a lot of those, uh, you know, kind of old school stuff. It's just a way to still be able to, um, you know, to uh, send money around the way we have to these days, unfortunately. And finally, MyPillow is now official show sponsors of Uncensored Abe. Check it out when you guys get time. MyPillow.com backslash Abe. They have a huge bust out blowout sale. On slippers right now, you get like you get them on like $90 off, so you get a huge savings on them. If you use discount code Abe, you get that discount and you get a free book with your purchase. They also have sheets, pillows, uh, go anywhere pillows, and towel sets on sale for buy one, get one free. So check that out if you want to check those out. And then everything else, too, they have big sales on, on all of their stuff right now. And then going into, um, Going into the holiday here, uh, they're going to have some other stuff happening here so, soon, too. So check it out when you get time. We appreciate all your guys' support. I got my first check from MyPillow, so uh, I, have, I am officially sponsored by MyPillow, which is pretty cool. Uh, it was like the first couple weeks or whatever, so it wasn't very much. But, hey, that's all right. It doesn't matter. It's not about that. It's really about just supporting Patriots, supporting Patriots. And uh, Mike Liddell has done a great job of supporting anyone out there who is trying to get the word out. So we appreciate them very much, and we appreciate you guys for uh, you know getting yourself some that you might need and then also helping the show out facebook true social gab and uh, are at the very bottom of the screen you can find those right there i've been on true social a lot lately so i've uh, been trying to work my way over there and spend some time over there uh the email address and the link tree as well as the po box right at the very bottom of the screen right there as well so check that out when you get time so thanks again for hopping your way in here we got lots of stuff to talk about with regards to durham i got a, probably a good hour of durham stuff today so we're going to get in pretty deep on the on the final day of durham uh, testimony as they have uh, the defense has rested and so now they will go to a jury um, so we'll see what happens on that we probably won't hear anything to, on that case till about probably Tuesday next week I would assume uh, so we got some stuff on that front I got a, a lot of really interesting stuff in general uh, so, uh just human dropped a, a link from slag slag put together a thread about um a gun legislation and i i mentioned it earlier with regards to red pill when we were hanging out with red pill earlier today if you missed that check that out when you get time it was a fun fun time it's every thursday with red pill 78 at noon if you missed that check that out um you need sheets use discount code abe <laughs> It's good to see you out there, blue eyes open. I hope all is well. Um, so we're going to get to that today. Um, it's a very interesting discussion about the Supreme Court and what's coming with regards to gun laws in this country, which is another example of why the left is kind of is kind of freaking out in a lot of different ways because they're losing control of over the uh, pendulum that they were able to swing too far away from the Constitution in this country, and that's about to change back in many different ways. So we're going to spend some time on that. A great uh, thread by Slag with regards to the future of gun rights, constitutional. It's, it's really well done and it's exactly kind of a summary that I needed to pull some, uh, you know, to pull it all together. So great job by Slack. We're going to get to that today. Uh, Cheryl Atkinson has a great article out there today. 
with regards to Burisma. So we'll, we'll check that article out. And then there's several other just kind of other small things. I did uh, find a dig on the Wall Street Journal article, the CIA's venture capital firm, like its sponsor, operates in the shadows. An article in the Wall Street Journal from, let's see, August of 2016 with regards to InQtel. And so I want to read that article too. So I got several kind of long articles, semi-long article digs. But first, we're going to kick it off with Durham here pretty quick. So we'll get to that here in just a moment. I want to say hello to everyone and welcome everyone in out there today. Thanks for all the lurkers for being here today over there on Tour 3 and all the other platforms. I know you guys are out there lurking, can't chant. That's cool. I appreciate you guys very much for joining us every day. God bless you. Everyone over there on Rumble, thanks for being here today. Do me a favor, hit that plus button. Uh, Just Mojo is in the house and Chris, thank you for all you do with regards to the links and everything. And then over on Twitch, we got some good follows. Sid is a new follow, Richie Rich and Cactus, new follows over there on Twitch. Thanks for being here today, guys. A good crowd working your way in as well. Dr. J. Blazer in the house. Patriot lady. Johnny B. As this day is uh, usually. Hey, Weezy Girl. God bless you. Good evening. Uh, Aristotle is in the house. Yo, what's up, man? Good to see you out there. Hope all is well. And so thanks for being here today, guys. We are going to be Durham heavy for the first part of the show today. So we're definitely going to hop to that. Keep True is in the house. Anaconda says Biden's money to Ukraine equals $400,000 per K-12 student in America. Uh, yeah. Enough for security guards. I'll wait. Right. Let's let's uh, let's not be using our brains too much and be thinking too logical with these people. Right. Keep true. It's kind of too hard to do that. Uh, if, you, if you think too logically with these people, then you just lose them completely. And then they just throw tantrums and then it's over from there. So. <laughs> so anyways, good to see you guys all out there today. I hope you guys are having a great day. Let's hop straight to Durham. Here's stuff pretty quick. I appreciate you guys very much. And also at the bottom of the screen, don't forget, is a 800 number. If you're so inclined and want to grab something from uh, my pillow, that number's on the bottom of the screen. That's a direct line for our the, the Uncensored Abe discount code. So there you go. All right, guys. Good to see you out over there, Johnny B. Yep, indeed, man. So let's start off here. Um, I got, like I said, probably a good hour of stuff, but it's going to be worth the time. Thank you, Chris. All right. Let's start here with Cash Patel's uh, True Social today. Three hours ago, DurhamWatch.com. Uh, Sussman trial nears its end. The evidence, is, the summary is always what we need, right? The summary is always uh, just, just to get to the facts already. I don't, I don't need to hear all this stuff. Just tell me what I need to know. Well, here's what you need to know. Sussman transcript from my, from my interrogation when he testified before the House Intelligence Committee entered into evidence shows he said under oath he did it all for the client thumb drive loaded with alpha bank fantasy brought by sussman in dc paid for by camp hillary sussman's own text to fbi saying i'm doing all this as a good samaritan and not for a client fbi notes showing work done for a client the defense the fine irony hillary hillary's world calling the fbi liars <laughs> Pot Kettle Black says cash. That's his kind of summary for today, which tells you he's pretty confident in Durham's case, as we all are. It seems pretty obvious to me that uh, it's it's a clear lie. Zero o'clock. Thanks for joining us here today. So there's the, there's Cash's summary there, and then Cash went on to say about um, let's say uh, he retruthed this a little, a little while ago. Uh, it's undeniable that big tech wants to shut down the truth. Says Cash, how long will we let the truth be let the truth be buried? Amazon has once again proven they are more concerned about their progressive agenda than letting truth be known. Get the plot against the king, number one on Amazon, and stand up to the left's agenda. So there you go, Cash Patel's book. Number one on Amazon. You got to love it. All right. Let's first thing we're going to read to 
as we do every day uh, during this time, is check out Technofog's new article from 22 hours ago. This summarizes yesterday, and then we'll get into uh, another great article that was written by uh, Margot Cleveland today, uh, about a seven-minute read that, that summarizes it as well. And then uh, let's see, what else do we have here? Uh, oh, yeah, Epoch Times has about a 12-minute uh, summary that I want to play for you guys, and then <clears throat> uh, we'll get to uh, the Justice League's summary of today. All right. Was Rodney Joffe involved in the Trump-Russia investigation technofog article from yesterday? Here we go. Today, we saw some important testimony in the Michael Sussman case. First, Rodney Joffe, an FBI confidential human source, went around his FBI handler to relay dubious Alpha Bank information to a friend at the FBI. Second, there were indications that Joffe previously worked on a Russia cybersecurity matters. This leads us to ask whether Joffe was in some way involved in the Trump-Russia investigation. More on that below. The testimony of the retired FBI agent Tom Grasso, Grasso, a witness for Sussman, was a special agent with the FBI whose primary responsibility involved investigating cybercrimes. He was part of the unit detailed the National Cyber Forensics and Training Alliance in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The NCFTA, as Grassel explained, is a nonprofit entity where nonprofit where nonprofit entity where private sector and law enforcement can come together to collaborate on cybercrime matters. And the FBI unit that I was part of was detailed to be the FBI component of that project hmm uh that's um that's interesting so there are there are the government's allowed to have militias but not private people that's how is that how this works now grassle met uh rodney joffe through the ncfta i'll let grassle explain the connection Question, do you know a gentleman named Rodney Joffe? Answer, I did, says Grasso. How do you know him? Grasso said Rodney Joffe is a private sector partner and a friend of mine who I initially met in somewhere between 2005 and 2010, as I recall. Question, did he from time to time provide you with information or interact with you in assisting the investigation of FBI investigations? Grasso. Yes, sir, on a regular basis. In fact, Grasso had nominated Joffe and others for an FBI award for cybercrime investigation back in 2013 related to Butterfly Botnet, malware described to have reached about 4 million infected computers. Hmm. Overall, Joffe and Agent Grasso had a good professional and personal relationship, and Joffe exploited that relationship to further the Alpha Bank hoax. In early October 2016, on or before 10 to 2016, Joffe called Agent Grasso and provided some information on the purported ties between Alpha Bank Trump Organization. Joffe further informed Agent Grasso that there was an ongoing investigation on this matter, something Agent Grasso has been unaware of until that point. According to Grasso, question. How, how, if you recall, did Mr. Joffe provide this information to you? Answer, I recall that he provided the information to me verbally over the phone. Question, when he, was, when he provided the information to you with, uh, without getting into great detail, what did he describe the information was related to? Grasso, as I recall, he described the information related to the communications between the Trump campaign and some entity in Russia. Question, and coming out of your conversation with Mr. Joffe, did you understand that there was an ongoing investigation into those issues? Grasso says, my recollection is that at the time, he advised me that there was an open FBI investigation on the matter. After that conversation... 
Agent Grassel sent an email to the FBI agents handling the Alpha Bank investigation. This is on 10-2-2016. Hello, Dan. Uh, how is Chicago treating you? This is to Dan Wizerbicki from the FBI. That is my first office. I do miss the place. It's an awesome city. Keith contacted you on Friday concerning some anonymous reporting we, re- we received related to a matter you may be working. I don't have many details, but from what I understand, you were provided some info Uh, having to do with a New York Times story involving the upcoming election. There was one bit of data which was not provided, and that is the IP address of the person of interest at the bank. Here is the additional information that an anonymous reporter requested be provided to the FBI. The person of interest is tied to a home DSL broadband IP address of 912051446. Their work IP address is dot, dot, dot. The second IP you may already know about the first is new information. That's it. I hope uh, this uh, this is helpful. And sorry to have more context around this. Interesting that Grasso would uh, document this via an email email address, and he says that an anonymous reporter gave them this information, which is also rather interesting. Uh, I wonder if that's the New York Times reporter that is they were trying to uh, uh, put on the stand, or I think they did put on the stand. Agent Grassel took this information from Joffe, despite knowing that Joffe was a confidential human source with the FBI, and despite that fact, uh, that Joffe didn't go through his handler to relay this information. The cross-examination of former agent uh, Grasso. <clears throat> well, we'll start with um, some important questions posed by Special Counsel DeFilippis on Joffe's background. Question. So Mr. Joffe worked on a number of investigations involving uh, cyber threats. Is that right? Grasso says, yes. I would say, all, actually says, I would say all a matter of cyber threats, yes. Question. Okay. Does that include nation state threats? Would he be, you know, working with the Bureau on nation state threats? Grasso says, I believe so. Yes. Question. So that includes some of the big cyber threat countries like Russia. Grasso says yes at the time. Uh, Russia was one of the top threats in the FBI for cybercrime. Question. And so Mr. Jaffe uh, would work on Russia-related cyber matters. Grasso says, I believe so. He, I think he was specifically tasked with doing that, but I'm sure the work that he did touched on matters having to do with Russia due to the prevalence of cybercrime activity that comes out of Russia. There's our confirmation that Joffe worked on Russia-related cyber matters. This line of questioning suggests, but doesn't outright prove, that Joffe may have had some type of involvement in the biggest cybersecurity matter of 2016, the Russian hack of the DNC. Of course, these questions could have been the special counsel trying to discredit Joffe's claim, see below, that he wanted to remain anonymous because he was relaying risky information. Anyway, assuming Joffe was involved in the Trump-Russia investigation, then there are pre- then there are presented with some important questions. We are presented did Joffe inform the FBI's understanding of the DNC DCCC hacks? If so, what did Joffe contribute? That is a very, very good question. And then there's Joffe's close relationship with Sussman and his support for the Clinton campaign. Ask whether the Alpha Bank hoax was the first time Joffe colluded with Michael Sussman. After all, it was Sussman who scrubbed the CrowdStrike report that attributed the DNC hack to Russia. Ask Aaron Mate. Uh, as Aaron Mate explained in this crucial article, according to the Senate Intelligence Committee, CrowdStrike delivered a draft report to the FBI on August 31st, 2016, that identified uh, that uh, unidentified, 
Oh, unidentified official uh, and unidentified FBI official described as heavily redacted. James Trainer, then assistant director of the FBI Cyber Division, told the committee that he was frustrated with the CrowdStrike report and doubted its completeness because outside counsel, i.e. Sussman, had reviewed it. According to Trainer, the DNC's cooperation was moderate overall and slow and laborious in many respects. Trainer singled out the fact that Perkins Coy and specifically Sussman scrubbed the CrowdStrike information information before it was delivered to the FBI, resulting in a stripped-down version that was not optimal, Uh to say the least. The DOJ and FBI essentially allowed Sussman to decide what it could and could not see in CrowdStrike's reports on Russian hacking. Did Joffe have a role in that? Boy, that is a really good question, Technofog. Consider something else. What if CrowdStrike was a patsy there to unknowingly reach false conclusions of the Russia hack based on information provided to them, in part, by Rodney Joffe. Boy, is that a good question. Back to Agent Grasso's testimony. Here he explains Joffe's demands that Grasso did not disclose his identity. Question. In the case of the Alpha Bank-related information that you just described, Mr. Joffe specifically asked you not to disclose his identity to other people in the Bureau. Is that right? Answer. That is correct. Yes. Question. He didn't want you to tell even the people at the FBI you were talking to that this was coming from Rodney Joffe, right? Answer. Yes, that is correct. He wanted his identity protected. Yes. Yes. Grasso paraphrased on redirect Joffe's reasoning to stay anonymous. Quote, this is very sensitive information. People's safety could be at risk. And here is Grasso testifying to the significance of Joffe's motivation in reaching out. Question, so Mr. Joffe didn't say he was working with Fusion GPS on this project. Answer, no, uh, not that I recall, no, answer, or question, excuse me, and Mr. Joffe never told you that, you know, this project had arisen in the context of opposition research that the Clinton campaign was working on, answer, I do not recall that coming up, no. Grasso explained that these omissions were material because the motivation of the source's political agenda is relevant to the type of cases they can open, so that's they're trying to lay the, def- the defense work there. It's not going to work. The final thought from Technofog. Yesterday, we reviewed testimony from FBI agent Curtis Hyde. According to Roger Stone, Agent Hyde supervised the early morning raid on Stone's home and marched Stone out in handcuffs. Hmm, small world. There's a Hyde right there marching Stone, Roger Stone out. Very interesting. So there you go. That's from Technofog today. Um, let me see here. Where do I have? Do I have that up here? Um. Yeah, here it is. So this is uh, Stephen McIntyre showing that here. So I just wanted to make sure that got shown. All right, cool. All right. Um, so there's the summary from Technofog. Next, I want to say hello to you guys. Hey, Tech- Thumper Rose, Mr. Spock, uh, knock my socks off. Good to see you guys. Who cares? And uh, CB Joey, thank you guys for the, for the gold pills. I appreciate that very much. Thanks for joining us here today, guys. We're going through uh, all of the Durham stuff here today. So trying to get through uh, as much of it as, fo- as possible, as quick as possible. So thanks for uh, coming to hang out here today, guys. What's up, Twitch? Good to see you guys out there. Good crowd hanging out today. Thanks for being here today, guys. I'm pretty sure you guys probably already heard most of that. But as always, for the podcast, I like to kind of summarize yesterday uh, in the words of Technofog because the guy does a great job. You know what I'm saying? So I always like to highlight uh, great work like that and great work like this here from Margot Cleveland, who I haven't had a chance to read much lately because I've been going directly to the source. But let's check out what Margot has to say today. Court testimony shows Spygate conspirators deceive the FBI using the same strategy twice. This came from Margot Cleveland today. 
Tech executive Rodney Joffe fed the Alpha Bank hoax to the FBI via two distinct routes, testimony in the Michael Sussman in, uh, case indicates from Margot Cleveland. Tech executive Rodney Joffe fed the Alpha Bank hoax to FBI in two distinct routes, testimony from This apparent circular reporting further cements Special Counsel John Durham's Section 101 false statement case against Sussman by highlighting the significance of Sussman's alleged lie to former FBI General Counsel James Baker. Sussman, who is in the middle of week two of his trial in D.C. federal court, uh, was charged last fall in a one-count indictment with lying to Baker when he provided Baker two flash drives and several white papers purporting to establish the existence of secret communication network between Russia, Ma Russia, and Alpha Bank and Trump and the Trump Organization. According to prosecutors, Sussman lied to Baker when he claimed during their September 19, 2016 meeting that he was presenting this information to help the FBI and not on behalf of any client. In truth, though, the government maintains that Sussman represented both the Clinton campaign and Joffe when he met with Baker and provided the supposed Alpha Bank intel. Prosecutors working for the special counsel's office closed their case in, in chief earlier this week after presenting about a dozen witnesses, those included Baker, who testified that he was 100% confident that Sussman had claimed during their September 9th, 2016 meeting that he was not there on behalf of any particular client. Bill Priestep, who was in, who in September 2016 served as the assistant director of FBI's counterintelligence division and Trisha Anderson, FBI's then deputy general counsel, also testified. They confirmed notes they took at the time that memorialized Baker's statements to them that Sussman had claimed he was not coming to the FBI, FBI on the behalf of any client. Baker also testified that because Sussman had claimed to be coming on his own behalf, Baker treated Sussman as a confidential source and kept Sussman's identity secret from other agents. As a result, agents investigating the supposed Trump Alpha Bank network were kept in the dark concerning Sussman's role in bringing in the data to the FBI. Consequently, agents were also left unaware of Joffe's role in procuring the data and the white papers. Yeah, right. In addition to claiming the Hillary Clinton campaign would not have wanted Sussman to pass the Alpha Bank data to the FBI, Sussman's legal team also challenged the prosecution's case by arguing that Joffe had no reason to use Sussman to share the Alpha Bank information with the FBI. They said that was because the time at the time Sussman's meeting with Baker, Joffe was a confidential human source or a CHS for the FBI. Questioning last week by Sussman's lawyers further indicated that in September of 2016, when Sussman was allegedly meeting with Baker on behalf of Joffe, Joffe had presented FBI Special Agent Tom Grasso a copy of the Alpha Bank white paper under the presumption that Grasso served as Joffe's handler. Those questions seemingly served to counter the prosecutor's claims that Joffe used Sussman to sidestep his handler. However, yesterday when the defense called Grasso to testify on behalf of Sussman, Grasso revealed that he was not Joffe's handler. Rather, Grasso, who knew Joffe was a confidential human source, had a long working relationship with Joffe and believed Joffe had provided credible information in the past. With their questioning of Grasso, Sussman's legal team attempted to bolster their argument that Sussman was rightly concerned with the intel Joffe shared and thus gave it to Baker out of concern for the national security issue side of it. Yeah, right. But the plan backfired. When on cross-examination, Grasso revealed several facts damaging to Sussman's defense and supportive of the prosecution's legal theory of a look, a leak, and a lie. 
First, Grasso testified that in early October 2016, the tech executive had called Agent Grasso and provided some information on the purported ties between the Alpha Bank Trump organization. Joffe further informed Agent Grasso that there was an ongoing investigation in this matter, something Agent Grasso had been unaware of until that point. That testimony proves significant because it shows that within two weeks of Sussman's meeting with Baker, Joffe knew the FBI had launched an investigation into the Alpha Bank intel, even though FBI agents agents testified that they were holding the investigation closed closed excuse me the only logical explanation for joffe's knowledge is that he knew the alpha bank investigation he knew of the alpha bank investigation because of sussman apprised his client that he had given the data to the fbi grasso also testified that joffe specifically asked grasso not to disclose his identity to other people in the bureau according to grasso joffe claimed he wanted to stay anonymous because he was very this was very sensitive information and people say they could be at risk because of that request grasso did not contact joffe's handler to inform him that joffe had provided grasso supposed intel something grasso testified he had done in the past when Joffe gave him information. Joffe's demand for anonymity with Grasso's parallels to the executive's uh, alleged use of Sussman to take his anonymous tip of the Alpha Bank hoax first to the FBI and then later to the CIA. It also further refutes Sussman's argument that Joffe had nothing to gain by having Sussman go to the FBI with his tip on his behalf. Clearly, Joffe had a motive for others for having others provide the Alpha Bank information to the FBI without it being connected to him because he used his connection with Grasso to repeat the process when Joffe could have instead provided the information directly to his handler. As requested, Grasso passed the Alpha Bank tip on to the agents working the case in Chicago without informing them of Joffe's involvement in providing the data. From Chicago's perspective, then, the FBI had received two separate reports of data supposedly connecting Alpha Bank and the Trump Organization. It appeared as though Agent Grasso, who was out of the pit, out of Pittsburgh, was working with one source and the FBI in D.C. was obtaining intel from an apparent second source, when in fact, Joffe served as the source in both cases. During uh, his cross-examination of Grasso, lead prosecutor Andrew, Andrew DePhilip, DePhilipus introduced this theory to the jury when he asked Grasso whether he knows what circular reporting is and whether he has ever encountered someone planting information with two different parts of the FBI so it looks cooperating. Well, while Grasso responded to that he had never encountered that, the special counsel is sure to stress in his closing argument that the evidence suggests that it is precisely what happened here. That is why it is it, it was imperative that Sussman lied to Baker so that his client, Joffe, could feed the Alpha Bank theory to other parts of the FBI and thereby bolster the theory of Russia collusion. If this all sounds strangely familiar, it is. Christopher Steele followed the same tact when, on the condition of anonymity, he provided Yahoo News the same intel contained in the dossier that he handed to the FBI. The FBI would then rely on the Yahoo News reporting to seemingly confirm the Steele dossier when the DOJ submitted a FISA applications to surveil Carter Page. To date, it appears that Steele will be getting off scot-free for his ploy, whether Sussman will also be, uh, will be up to the jury, which will likely receive the case for deliberation early next week. Margot Cleveland with a good summary of, uh, of the case there today for sure. And then I want to get too straight to this. Let my voice rest for a second and have you guys check out this. This is from Epoch TV, and it is a 12-minute summary of all of this, and I think it is worth our time to check this out to kind of summarize the case, and then we'll move on from here today, guys, to other stuff as well. So check this out. <laughs> 
is challenging that the Trump Russia or Michael Sussman. An interesting pattern has emerged at the trial of Hillary Clinton's campaign lawyer Michael Sussman. While we may have expected special counsel John Durham to challenge the official media and establishment narrative that the Trump-Russia investigation was properly predicated and carried out, it is now Sussman who is challenging that narrative, not Durham. In fact, Durham made it clear from day one of the trial that he is running with the opposite narrative, that the FBI was a victim. In essence, Durham has forced Sussman's team to attack the FBI in order to exonerate their client, and Sussman's team has embraced the challenge. In possibly the biggest bombshell admission of the past year, Sussman's team revealed an internal FBI message that proves that FBI leadership was vigorously pushing the Trump-Russia collusion hoax despite the flimsiness of the evidence. It is the first public acknowledgement backed by documentary evidence that FBI leadership was focused on taking out Trump. Hi everyone and welcome to Truth Over News with Jeff Carlson and Hans Manke. There was a stunned silence in the courtroom this week when lawyers for Sussman revealed an internal FBI text message between FBI agents Joe Pienka and Curtis Hyde. People on the seventh floor, to include director, are fired up about this server. The message, which FBI counterintelligence had Bill Priestap corroborated in court, was sent when fake data purportedly trying Trump to the Kremlin via the Russian Alpha Bank was given to the FBI by Sussman. That data was roundly dismissed by the FBI's cyber section in less than a day, but that did not deter FBI leadership, whose offices are located on the seventh floor of FBI headquarters. They saw the data as an opportunity to go after Trump, and that is exactly what they did. While Durham claims that Sussman misled the FBI by concealing the fact that he was giving the FBI the data on behalf of the Clinton campaign, there were many red flags that ought to have immediately exposed the Clinton campaign's scheme. As it turns out, the same fake data was being fed to the FBI through a separate channel. While Sussman was pushing the fake Alpha Bank story into the FBI, an FBI confidential human source was, not coincidentally, pushing the same fake story into the FBI. The Clinton campaign had clearly built redundancy into its scheme. But it gets worse. On the same day that Sussman brought the fake Alpha Bank data to the FBI, the same tip was supposedly brought to the FBI via the Department of Justice, a third source stream. While Sussman's data was quickly analyzed and dismissed, the Department of Justice tip was used as a pretext to open a full investigation into Trump's alleged communications with Alpha Bank. However, there was a major snag. As revealed in court this week, the DOJ tip and the Sussman tip were the same fake tips. Lead agent Curtis Hyde laughably testified on Tuesday that conflating the DOJ tip and the Sussman tip was due to a typo. But we all know what game was being played. In an effort to bolster the Trump-Russia investigation, the FBI had made it look like they had received tips from two separate streams. That still leaves the third tip that came from the confidential human source. 
There has been speculation that the source was Clinton-associated tech executive Rodney Joffe. Recall that Joffe was the person who provided the fake Alpha Bank data to Sussman in the first place. By his own admission, Joffe was offered a high-ranking government position in case of a Hillary Clinton election win. While it is not confirmed that Joffe was in fact the source who fed the fake alpha data to the FBI in parallel with Sussman, it was confirmed during Sussman's trial that Joffe was in fact a confidential human source for the FBI during this time period. In another shocking revelation, we also found out that the FBI's leadership prevented an FBI investigator from interviewing the source at the heart of the confidential human sources tip. Joffe was later fired by the FBI because of his involvement with the fake alpha scheme, notwithstanding that FBI leadership were fired up about that scheme. Meanwhile, it was also revealed this week that Agent Hyde, the agent who had texted about FBI leadership's desire to get Trump, is currently under DOJ inquiry for not identifying exculpatory information in the original Crossfire Hurricane investigation. Hyde also happens to be the agent who handled the FBI's investigation into George Papadopoulos. That investigation culminated in Papadopoulos making a deal with prosecutors on a questionable charge of lying to the FBI. Papadopoulos was reportedly put under a lot of pressure to sign off on the deal or face far more serious charges. Hyde is the second FBI official who was directly in charge of the Papadopoulos investigation who is now implicated in wrongdoing. The other is disgraced FBI lawyer Kevin Kleinsmith, who pleaded guilty to doctoring evidence. Kleinsmith was the lead interviewer when Papadopoulos was interrogated in February of 2017. With so many FBI shenanigans being exposed by Sussman's team, one has to wonder whether Durham made the right strategic call in pursuing the Sussman case under the theory that the FBI was the victim. As we discussed in our previous show, Durham had a good reason for pursuing his case this way, the strongly Democratic-leaning D.C. jury pool. By portraying the FBI as our FBI, Durham hoped to take politics out of the equation and make the case about something we can all agree on, that no one should be defrauding the FBI. But Durham might have underestimated the sheer amount of FBI wrongdoing, as well as Sussman's determination to reveal that wrongdoing. At times this past week, it appeared as if it wasn't Sussman who's on trial, but the FBI itself. Agent after agent was thoroughly exposed and embarrassed in the witness stand. According to the Epoch Times reporter on the scene, John Hoy, other than two cyber agents who testified last week, agent after agent professed to not remembering anything. All they were left to do was read from their notes of meetings which they supposedly could not remember either. FBI counterintelligence head Bill Priestap could not even remember his last job title. The overall picture that is emerging is that of an FBI, which is a bizarre combination of unimaginable corruption and unfathomable incompetence. 
And that is a very dangerous combination. If the FBI was totally corrupt on all levels, the scrutiny would be immense. The agency could not survive. If the FBI was totally incompetent on all levels, the scrutiny would be equally immense. It's the combination of the two that is so nefarious. It means that smart people at the top, like Director James Comey or Deputy Director McCabe, could manipulate people like Bill Priestap, who could not even remember his last job title. If things happen to go wrong, as they clearly did in the Russia investigation, incompetent people could be blamed, while those who pulled the strings could wiggle out of responsibility. Which brings us right back to where we started. The bombshell text message that confirmed that FBI leadership was out to get Trump. What does it say about workplace culture at the FBI when two agents, in this case Pienka and Hyde, privately talked about the fact that their bosses wanted to get Trump? It is bound to affect the judgment, actions, and decisions of lower-level staff when they know exactly what would please the bosses and what would incur their wrath. What sort of law enforcement leadership lets their underlings know where they want investigations to go as opposed to letting the evidence lead the way? The FBI's toxic work culture was perhaps most strikingly exposed by cyber agent Scott Hellman, one of the few FBI witnesses who appeared to be honest and competent. Hellman testified last week that it took him less than a day to debunk the false Alpha Bank data. In fact, he said he and his colleagues joked that the data was 5150-ish. When asked what that meant, Hellman explained that he thought perhaps the person who drafted this document was suffering from a mental disability. The data was so poor that lower-level agents were joking about it. But as we know, that is not where the story ended because rather than being shut down, FBI leadership saw to it that the Alpha Bank investigation was elevated and expanded. And yet the agents who had joked about the ridiculousness of the data did not blow the whistle. In fact, six months later, in March of 2017, the FBI leadership were pushing the Alpha story to their supervisors at the DOJ. How absolutely toxic must the FBI's work culture be for agents to have immediately recognized that the Trump-Russia collusion narrative was false, and yet no one spoke out as the higher echelons of the organization tried to oust a sitting president using that false narrative? The blatant bias of FBI leadership was further exposed this week when FBI witnesses admitted that they immediately recognized and discarded false and politically charged information that was brought to them during another investigation, the mid-year examination. That was the investigation of Hillary Clinton's use of a clandestine email server. The agents were not able to explain why they did not take the same course of action in the case of the Trump-Russia investigation. But the answer could not be more clear. Everyone at the FBI knew what leadership wanted, and everyone towed the line. With the revelation of documentary evidence that Comey was coming after Trump, there should now be a consensus amongst fair-minded people from all sides that the FBI is in need of a complete overhaul from ground up. 
But the political will to do so will not arise without the public finding out about what happened. Unsurprisingly, the corporate media is concealing the existence of the bombshell text message and it is once again left to small outlets like ourselves to report the facts. Thanks for joining us in today's episode of Truth Over News. Real investigations, real analysis, no narratives. That is some good stuff right there, you guys. I'm glad that we took the time to watch that. If you're looking for a summary and you want to have people really understand, I think that's about as well as you can do it. If you if you spend the time to truly deeply listen to what, uh, I believe that was Mr. Carlson, right? Uh, what he had to say, um, really, that's a, that's a really well done summary. So that's why I like to highlight stuff like that. As somebody see that stuff going around, and I'm like, you know what? That's perfect. That's perfect that we need to... Uh, uh, spread out there with uh, everyone out there so they can see what the hell's going on out here. I realize that, you know, when you go through the, where is my, there it is. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, when you go, when you just go through the transcripts or you go through, you know, just quick summaries, it's hard to pull it all together to really understand the bigger picture. Sometimes the bigger picture is Hillary Clinton weaponized the DOJ and the FBI, not just once, but twice to overthrow a sitting president a presidential candidate, and then a sitting president. I mean, that that's really what it comes down to, and that's why the whole seventh floor has now been fired. Uh, that's why there's a, most of the DOJ has been revamped, because when they thought that Hillary was going to win, they thought that they were going to be able to cover up the criminality that has been going on in our government since the creation of the FBI, since the creation of the CIA. Ask John F. Kennedy what he thinks about the, the CIA. Uh, this stuff that has been happening in this country is generational, and that's why it's going to, in my opinion, take a generation or two to really revamp and recoup what we've lost in our world. That's how bad it is. That's how that's how deep they've gotten in this country. And so if you ever get down and you ever wonder, you know, is anything ever going to change in this world? Is anything ever going to is is anybody ever going to be held accountable? That's what we're watching right now. We're we're watching this play itself out and, you know, the truth is is, is are any of us really ever going to be happy no matter what the results are? Uh, I think there are different levels of of what people will accept as um, you know, as justice for not only the president of the United States being destroyed, but his followers. And then on top of that, uh, you know, this country. Um, so the, the truth is, is we've never, no one's really been here before in history. This is the crime of the century, as uh, President Trump has said. And we don't know how it's going to play itself out. <laughs> I think everybody is just kind of watching with bated breath. And that's why we, we have been spending the first hour of the show uh, since the trial started. Uh, making sure we're amplifying <clears throat> whatever comes uh, from this trial. And when um, when the ne next stuff comes, <laughs> when Danchenko trial happens or when Elias finally gets indicted and those trials happen, uh, we will be covering them just as much as well because this is something that's really important for all of us. Um, I want to go through <clears throat> uh, a thread here. Hold on. Let me clear my throat. I want to go through today's thread of um, 
of the of the of the stuff that happened today. Judge Cooper begins the housekeeping matters. Juror number fourteen is sick, still not feeling feeling well, and will not be reporting. She tested negative for COVID, but was she has been dismissed as a juror. The defense will not be calling Mister Sussman today. Just a uh, judge addresses the issue with redactions. Uh, in summary, really, what happened today was uh, several exhibits put in put into a place. Um, and really, I don't think it's even really worth spending the time to really go through this piece by piece uh, because we've pretty much already summarized it. So I think I'm just going to kind of move move from there um, to this. Uh, Devin Nunez uh, on Salem News today. Uh, and uh, let's see who highlighted this. This is um, the storm has arrived. Telegram highlighting this. So let me let me just go to here because I think we've already got a pretty good summary of what uh, came through today. So let's see, see what uh, Devin Nunez had to say. Kind of, you take the Sussman indictment, you have to then roll next to the, that the Danchenko indictment, which will not be in Washington, D.C. And Danchenko is going to be very interesting because he was a guy that was essentially like Christopher Steele, the so-called MI6 you know, guy that had all British spy well, we know that he just got all that from Danchenko. Well, we now know that Danchenko was just getting that from you know the Clinton campaign orbit. Yeah. So it's going to be fascinating to see that guy on the stand uh, with a jury in Northern Virginia that should be, I think, much better than what they have in Washington D.C. So there's probably and, and then we also learned this week that uh, that you know likely there's going to be more indictments because we learned that one of those FBI agents that was involved in opening up this the so-called Alpha Bank uh, part of the investigation, that he is also uh, admitted under oath this week that he's under investigation, under a DOJ investigation. Now, well, we don't know. Is that is that Durham? Is that somebody else? We, you know, we don't know. Well, every day brings new revelations, and dear friends, right. if you read the indictments, just the first 26-page indictment from Durham was absolutely fascinating. He's got some access on the inside, and those canary birds are singing. So very interesting that uh, Devin Nunez uh, pivots straight to that Danchenko indictment, uh, that uh, trial, I should say. That is going to be very interesting to see what how that plays itself out. So it is going to be a long, interesting summer of uh, this whole thing playing itself out. It should be fun to watch. All right, so there you go. There's that. Let's see. I think that's all I had pretty much on uh, Durham today. I was going to go through like the whole thread of what happened today, but in, in summary, what happened today <laughs> really is uh, the defense like was on the stand for, I don't know, cut an hour or something and rested. And the, and the prosecution said, oh, I'm good. We're good. So, um, you know, other than that, the, uh, the jury will get a four day weekend and then they will uh, start deliberation, I believe on Monday. So we won't hear anything more until at least, or excuse me, on Tuesday uh, because of the holiday weekend. So, that's really where we're at, and we'll see how it plays out again. You know, for me, the, the summaries that we talked about earlier today with Red Pill, uh, the important information that was got that was placed into the record, I think, is most important um, because he can use that testimony uh, in f- future trials. So, when does a bird sing? Indeed, and they are definitely singing. So, uh, it's pretty interesting, man. There's no doubt about it. So, let me let me check in with you guys here in chat. See what see how you guys are thinking about it. 
Um, I appreciate everyone over there on the Fox Without App, Tac 264, Treason, Our Cloaked Unseen World. Thank you for the can. All my love to everyone where we go one, we go all. Good to see you out there, Our Cloaked Unseen. Tac 264, keep up the info. I Thank you, man. I'm just bringing you, you know, other people's great analyses and just trying to find the stuff that's the best of the best out there. That's really what I, in this environment of, of the great minds that are out there, um, just go find the best people and present it, right? Uh, got the slippers today and I used the Abe Cold to get them. They are great. Thank you, Mr. Spock. I appreciate that. I'm glad to hear that you are enjoying them as well. CB Joey with the shades and who cares news. Thank you. Good evening to everyone out there. Thanks for joining us here today, guys. Everyone over there on the Foxwood.app, Thumper Rose. When do birds sing? Says Attack 264. Indeed, my friend. Indeed. Uh, Twitch, uh, O-Town Girl, thank you for the new follow just now. I appreciate you joining us today. It is a, a daily move towards just trying to find the stuff that's important out there and bringing it to you guys and hoping that you guys amplify it in your circles too so we can try to fight through this censorship that's happening in our world right now. Boulder Cool, good to see you out there. Comfortably numb and Chris is in the house. Freelance, thanks for joining us here today. Johnny B and Texas Tangirl in the house as well. Thanks, guys, for all being out here today. I appreciate the, you guys coming to hang out with us. Uh, let's see. I got some good stuff for you guys for the second half, so stand by. <clears throat> uh, just Mojo, Denise. Uh, I dropped it on the Mad Cow and this. Uh, drop a Mad Cow on Discord. Gotcha. Um, Maddo has hosted her MMS MS NBC show for nearly fourteen years, but has taken a step back to work on other projects. Good for her. Take a hike. Maybe she'll go uh, work for Hollywood because she's one of the best Hollywood uh, actors on uh, television news that there is. <laughs> uh, good crowd over there on Rumble today. Do me a favor, Rumble. Hit that plus button at the bottom left of your screen right there. And uh, thank you all for being here today. I appreciate you guys very much. For the second half, we got to talk a little bit about this uh, the shooting. And I want to I want to read Slag's thread with regards to the future of gun rights in this country. Uh, we kind of talked a little bit earlier with uh, Zach about this as well. Uh, the part that really for me is t- is is taking me back. You know, putting yourself in a situation where you hear you're, you know, there's a there's an active shooter at your at your son or daughter's school. Obviously, the first thing I would do is um, go for a walk. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, I mean, there, <laughs> or at least you know, go to the go there and see what I can do. And the and the fact that these cops sat outside and nobody decided to go in until a border patrol agent finally came in there's something weird about that story and and it's is it about the control who controls uh this school this environment is it you know was it was the mayor somehow involved in the stand down order why why would these cops just just not do their jobs like it's 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 counterintuitive to me completely counterintuitive to me that the, that the cops would get on the scene and wait for backup backup arrives and then they still do nothing it's just to me it's it's just it, none of it makes sense, right? Nothing about this makes sense. A mother trying to save her children at at the school was handcuffed by federal marshals. Um, she said the police were doing nothing; they were just standing outside the fence. They weren't going in or running anywhere. The mother of two said uh, after it was revealed on Thursday that not only did police delay their response to sending tactical teams into the Rob Elementary School in Texas amid a school shooting that left 19 children and two teachers dead, but prevented parents from entering. The Wall Street Journal reported that one mother pr- sprinted into the school to get her children over objections from law enforcement. Angeli Romez uh, Rose Gomez drove 40 miles to the school upon hearing of the shooting and she arrived and the police were doing nothing. They were standing outside the fence. They weren't going in there or running anywhere. Here is uh, the video, um, three-minute video. Everybody, a back 
Yeah, so you you can see everyone just kind of standing around. That's what she's filming here, right there. I haven't seen this yet, so I don't know exactly what this is. Yeah, Parkland did do the same. So I don't know, part of this too is there, there's a crowd control group and then there's a separate group that goes in. So uh, that could be part of it too. Hearing video show parents begging cops to stop the Texas school shooter now reveal cops waited 40 minutes to go into the building. That Can you imagine being thrown to the ground if they if I went there and being somebody threw me to the ground? I mean, God, they would just, it's amazing what is happening out there. And so, uh, yeah, I'm with you, Sika. I don't think they would anyways would stop me. I'm with you. Small said, uh, small town of 20,000, too many questions, not enough answers. Another psyop like Sandy Hook. I don't know. I, I, I think it's real, right? Like, I think people died, but I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. It just seems like another example of, of timing for the left to use this as a political narrative. And they always jump on it right away as, as a, being a political narrative. They always, it's so obvious, right? Um, anyways, I want to pivot to this story like we talked a little bit about with Red Pill earlier today. And Slag has a great thread, and I want to thank Just Human for highlighting this from Slag. Otherwise, I would have never seen this. But this is exactly right. And this is this is the Supreme Court argument that I was referencing earlier today with Zach, which is why this is nice timing. Um, there are several cases. This is one of them, and I think there are others that, as I mentioned earlier, I think could very well turn into national reciprocity for concealed carry uh, in our country and put be the end to all unconstitutional gun laws that are currently in place all around the country, including many in Chicago and many in New York and all over the country, for sure. Slag puts it together perfectly. So I would like to highlight this for you guys. What the political pundits aren't seeing about NYS RPA versus Bruin, the upcoming case that I'm, I couldn't remember the name of earlier today, DC Denzians and politicals are seeing the world through darkened glasses, says Slag, to see the long string of milquetoast opinions and justices that can be bullied through political pressure. Uh, they saw a piecemeal approach to the Second Amendment in Heller and McDonald. They saw Robert's cave on Obamacare. Now you've got Biden crowing ad nauseum about the recent shootings and how gun control laws are the only thing standing between the public and a slaughter. 
He's hoping to influence the court. He's hoping to have the court draw back from a broad opinion that repudiates gun control and to adopt a narrowly tailored opinion that doesn't change very much. They still aren't seeing what I think the court is getting ready to do. And I agree with Slag on his analysis completely right here. And when they move it, it might cause a political earthquake in Washington and nearly every blue state. The Second Amendment states a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. U.S. versus Miller held that the Second Amendment only applies to arms that are suitable for military service while performing duty in the militia. Heller versus DC addressed the militia and the question of keep. McDonald versus Chicago enumerated the Second Amendment across all 50 states. NYSRPA versus Bruin is taking up the issue of bear and will also presumably determine the way the lower courts shall treat Second Amendment issues from here on out. We also can make a guess as to the author of the opinion. I, and I agree with Slag, are 99% sure it's Clarence Thomas. The reason I think that he's the author is that Justice Thomas hasn't authored many opinions this term. He's only authored two fairly minor ones. I also mentioned that he's asked three questions during the oral arguments, something he almost never does. He's interested in this case all right. I also know the court spreads out opinions that are politically charged. Bruin would be the prime example. Given the, his light caseload and the fact that he's been interested in exploring the scope of the Second Amendment, that places him as a prime candidate to write Bruin. I know this has been a bit a bit of a rehash of things I've said earlier, but they form a foundation from what I'm about to say. Be open to the possibility of a major reinterpretation of what the Second Amendment means to the individual citizen. I agree, and here's why I base this statement off the comments that Justice Thomas has made in his dissenting opinions for century denials. He said lower courts treat the Second Amendment like a disfavored right and an orphan of the Constitution. He also said he finds it hard to believe that the founders only intended that the Second Amendment only protected the ability of a citizen to carry a gun from the bedroom to the kitchen. That's a quote from one of his dissenting opinions. Okay, here's, there's a lot going on here. So let me show you my guess as to what I think is going to be in this opinion. I've heard that it makes no sense to guess what about Supreme Court opinions, but you're always wrong. Uh, I'm willing to take the risk, but I fully acknowledge that I could be wrong. First, the opinion will stroke down many issues. Uh, will stoke down many issues as a valid insurance policy and make uh, and make shall issue the law of the land. Okay, will stoke down many uh, many issue as a valid insurance policy and make shall issue a a permit or a gun the law of the land. The opinion may also go as far to say that the Constitution is your carry permit. Indeed. The Constitution is my carry permit. <sighs> that one opinion could take care of concealed carry reciprocity as well because rights follow the citizens everywhere they go. Second, the opinion will dictate that lower courts are adopt are to adopt strict scrutiny when dealing with the Second Amendment cases. Strict scrutiny holds that for a law to be constitutional, the law must serve a compelling government interest. The burden of the proof is on the government and that the law is narrowly tailored to achieve the government interest in at least in the least restrictive way possible. Most gun control laws require innuendo and faith in order to be upheld in federal court and many would fail under this standard of judicial review. 
Third, the opinion might reinterpret Heller. Here's what I mean by that. Look at this Washington Post article. Quote, the Biden administration also weighed in. The Justice Department wrote in a brief for the court that the Second Amendment protects an individual right to keep and bear arms, but that right is not absolute. Unquote. That language, the right is not absolute, was lifted directly from Heller versus D.C. Quote, like most rights, the Second Amendment right is not unlimited. It is not a right to keep and carry any weapon whatsoever in any manner whatsoever and for whatever purpose. The court's opinion should not be taken to cast doubt on longstanding prohibitions of the possession of firearms by felons and the mentally ill or laws forbidding the carrying of firearms in sensitive places such as schools and government buildings or laws imposing conditions on qualifications on the commercial sale of firearms. Miller's holding that the sorts of weapons protected are those in common use at the time finds support in the historical tradition of prohibiting the carrying of dangerous and unusual weapons. These words listed here, not unlimited, should not be taken to cast doubt on the long-standing prohibitions or dangerous or unusual as have, have given lower courts enough wiggle room to make a complete and utter mess of the Second Amendment litigation. Circuit spits are everywhere on the uh, splits are everywhere on every topic. <clears throat> I think Justice Thomas wants this problem solved and he wants lower courts to start respecting the Second Amendment. So he's going to do something about it. I agree. I think the opinion will look something like this. Number one, Miller held that the Second Amendment protects arms suitable for use in the military. Heller will be rewritten to strike the milk toast uh, language that caused so Heller is unconstitutional, by the way, the milk toast language that caused such a mess and will interpret the Second Amendment to protect the individual right to keep functional arms. Third, McDonald will be left alone as it enumerates the Second Amendment to all 50 states. He says this Bruin will interpret the Second Amendment to protect carrying of arms in case of confrontation or to protect one's home community, state, or nation. And the opinion will also order lower courts to use strict scrutiny as the appropriate level of judicial review. With these four opinions, you have the foundation for ruling nearly every single gun control law in America unconstitutional, assault weapon bans, magazine capacity restrictions, the NFA, import bans, all of it gone. Jackpot. I completely agree with Slag and his analysis here. If you look at the historical standings of Heller and the way that they have used the the different cases that uh, Slag talks about here uh, to manipulate gun laws and have caused a, just a disaster in the lower course, he's absolutely on point. And so th- when these cases come through, the <laughs> watch as you start to see the summer of rage become something probably, unfortunately, very freaking real. So this is why uh, it's interesting to have the resident Biden <laughs> be the president of the United States, quote unquote, when abortion gets overruled and gun control becomes a national reciprocity right that we are born with. And I'm telling you, I have been advocating for this and showing why Heller has been unconstitutional for a long time. I've argued with uh, all kinds of legal types all over the place and won the the legal constitutional argument for it. So when this stuff happens, man, uh, it is going to be a celebration time. And and this is why I'm so optimistic into the future as well, 
because when you look at where the courts are going with these cases all over the country with regards to abortion and, and, and gun rights, the truth is, is states' rights have come back and they are very strong. And when states' rights comes back, we the people have more say, and that's why they have to cheat because that's the only only solution they see left when you have a, a trapped rat in a corner. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that trapped rat... Uh, it goes to any means possible to try to uh, strike back, and that's probably what we're going to see happen over the next year or so, unfortunately. TAC-264 says, with strict level security of all Ninth Amendment gun rulings gone, con- indeed, TAC-264. Doug is my thank you for the can. Sean Joe, thank you for the cookie. Thrycray, um, you two methods sent me. The truth is loose, indeed. Uh, methods is a, I appreciate him very much. TAC-264 says, treason. Thanks, guys, for the support and the gold pills today. I appreciate you guys very much um thumper rose says heller was about requiring weapons uh, regulations in private homes they said no the government doesn't have the right to regulate weapons in people's homes indeed it was a fairly in but it was used uh to uh manipulate the law as well um no doubt about it rotus resident of the united states right tebow just doesn't seem to have the same magic in the pros as he did in college yeah no kidding <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, Mag Blue Skies enforce gun laws already on the books, right? No kidding. There are already a shit ton of gun laws on the books. Hank 1964 says, it's always distraction, distraction, distraction. Yes, it is. But um, I think uh, I think Slag makes a good point there about uh, how Biden's Justice Department is advocating for the Supreme Court to, uh, to not make the changes that they uh, will make based on the true constitutionality of our Supreme Court, we'll see, right? We will see. Okay, now, as part of the testimony in the Durham trial this week, uh, I, I mentioned a couple times the InQtel got brought up, and I was uh, I was laughing because I remember Radix Verum back in the day did a pretty good dig, and I, I think pretty sure wrote an article on InQtel, and a lot of that information ended up getting presented on several of the shows on Patriot Soapbox when I was back when I was over there back in the day. Uh, so I, I I have a I remember distinctly if I ever see that stuff come out again, we need to talk about it. So I ended up finding a Wall Street Journal article. Uh, I think it was on True Social, actually. I think that's where I found it. Um, that uh, talked about InQtel. So I want to summarize this for you. It's uh, let's see. It shouldn't be too long, but it's a pretty good summary of InQtel in general. And it gives when when um, uh, Devin Nunez talks earlier in that uh, video that we played that it's going to be interesting when Danchenko testifies because that brings in MI6 and overseas intelligence agencies. He's saying something extremely important right there that should you would think the mainstream media would be like, holy shit, did you hear what he just said? Uh, I did, and I'm sure all of you out there are just waiting patiently. But when it comes to InQtel, you're talking about the groups, the private investment companies, and, the, and these uh, nonprofits that were mentioned today as well that are involved in the shadows with our government and weaponization of our government through these venture capital firms. The CIA's venture capital firm, like its sponsor, operates in the shadows. An article written in, let's see, I think 2016 was this? Yeah, August 30th, 2016 by Damian Paletta in uh, the Wall Street Journal. And, of course, it was uh, paywalled, but... Thanks to archive.is, we can get into it. InQtel provides only limited information about its investments, and some of its trustees have ties to funded companies. 
The idea for a CIA-funded venture capital firm came from former CIA director George Tenet, of course, shown in the above in 2015, in the late 1990s, is when George Tenet decided, yeah, we need uh, some of these venture capital firms to, well, you know, take over the world. For Terra Systems Incorporated, a California startup focused on virtual reality, was in the need of money and its products didn't have much commercial appeal. Then funds came in from a source based far from Silicon Valley, InQtel Incorporated, a venture capital firm in Virginia funded by the Central Intelligence Agency. One catalyst for the 2007 infusion, according to a former Forterra executive and others familiar with it, was a recommendation by a man who sat on the board of the venture firm, venture capital firm, also on the board of Forterra. InQtel pumped in cash. Fortella developed some tools useful to the military, and government contracts started coming in. Like the agency that founded it, the CIA-funded uh, venture capital firm operates largely in the shadows. InQtel officials regard the firm as independent yet it has extremely close ties to the CIA and runs almost all investment decisions by the spy agency. The firm discloses little about how it picks companies to invest in, never says uh, how much, and sometimes doesn't reveal the investments at all. Even less well-known are potential conflicts of interest the arrangement entails, as, as seen in Forterra's example and others continuing to, to, to the president. Nearly half of InQtel's trustees have a financial connection of one kind or another with a company... InQtel has funded a Wall Street Journal examination of its investments found. InQtel's hunt for promising technology has led the firm on at least 17 occasions to fund businesses that had a financial link of some sort to InQtel trustee. The three instances, a trustee sat on the board of a company that had an InQtel investment as seen in the Forterra case, according to the journal's examination, which was based on a review of investment records and interviews with venture capital and InQtel. InQtel officials past and present. InQtel delivers, um, differs from other venture capital firms in an important way. It is a non-for-profit. Instead of trying to make money, it seeks to spur the development of technology useful to the CIA's mission of intelligence gathering. InQtel's funding, taxpayer money received, uh, InQtel received to invest in 2014, they received $93.9 million of taxpayer dollars and, and they've been receiving funding since 2008, as discussed. The Wall Street, uh, um, the, the tangled connections are endemic in the venture capital business where uh, intimate industry knowledge is essential to success. Other venture capital firms, however, are playing with their own money or that of private investors. InQtel uses public money to which strict conflict of interest rules apply. At least $120 million a year, say people familiar with the firm's financials, it sometimes deploys this capital in ways that, even if not by intent, have the potential to benefit the firm's own trustees by virtue of other roles they have in the tech industry. InQtel investments often attract other funding. Each dollar InQtel invests in a small business typically is matched by $15 from elsewhere, the firm has found. That makes the small business likelier to succeed and makes its stock and options more valuable to whoever has some. InQtel said it needs to work with people who have industry connections if it hopes to find promising technology. Some of its trustees, it said, are so uh, enmeshed in the tech world, it would be hard to avoid any ties that might be interpreting as conflicting. Besides, technology trustees come from a variety of backgrounds, including academia, national security, and venture capital. Quote, InQtel put in place rigorous policies to safeguard taxpayer funds, prevent possible conflicts of interest, and stay focused on developing technology to meet mission requirements, said CIA spokesman Ryan Trapani. Uh-huh. Sure they are. 
We were pleased that in both an InQtel model and safeguards put in place to have worked so well, unquote. Yeah, right. Worked so well to what? Help overthrow a sitting president? The firm permits its trustees to recommend investing in businesses to which they have ties. So as long as they disclose these internally to the CIA, trustees are required to uh, recuse themselves from reviews and votes after such recommendations. Uh Uh-huh. To succeed, quote, you want a board who knows what the hell they are doing, said Jeffrey Smith, who helped design InQtel with the CIA general counsel and is now outside counsel as well as senior counsel at the law firm Arnold and Porter. Quote, this is this to some extent a balance. And we know that, he said. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, in the Forterra case, Charles Boyd, a retired Air Force four-star general, joined the boards both Forterra and InQtel in 2006. The following year, InQtel sank money into Forterra, according to an InQtel news release. At the time, the amount couldn't be determined. General Boyd said he made an initial recommendation for InQtel to invest, but didn't take part in the decision to do so. He said he received no compensation from Forterra for recommending the InQtel invest in the startup. Quote, it was definitely a win-win from our perspective. Yeah, you think? The money from InQtel uh, and subsequent federal contracts proved insufficient. Forterra for failed to attract commercial interest and closed in 2010 after selling pieces of itself. Uh, you know, if, if government taxpayer dollars got to go to waste money and just buy somebody a new house, what are you going to do? The purchaser was another company where InQtel and trustees served on the board of directors. Investors in Forterra, including InQtel, took heavy losses, according to people involved in the unwinding. General Boyd had no personal investment in Forterra, InQtel said. He did not have uh, he did he did he did have non-qualified stock options according to InQtel, but which said holders of such options didn't receive anything from them when Forterra stopped operating. General Boyd said the only compensation he received from the small businesses was a five thousand dollars as it was closing down. He left InQtel's board of trustees in 2013. For the CAA, a captive capital venture firm. Venture capital firm is a way to encourage and shape technology development without getting bogged down in the bureaucracy of, well, you know, uh, competition, corporate competition and uh, and not using it as a weaponization. InQtel's beginnings traced to a plan hatched in the late 1990s by George Tenet, then CIA director, who expressed frustration that access to pioneering technology was held back by a Byzantine government procurement rules. Congress approved the creation of InQtel by agreeing that to direct money to the organization and its funding levels increased markedly in years later. The venture capital firm started investing in 2000 in businesses that made satellites, analyzed data, translated languages, and stored data, gaining a chance to shape the technology. InQtel has at times received funds to invest from other agencies, among them the National Security Agency, the FBI, and the Department of Defense, but the CIA remains, remains the main source of its funding. In one case, InQtel invested in a business that analyzed chemical compounds in carpets, resulting in a method to detect deadly chemicals in Afghanistan and Iraq, said the venture capital firm's uh, chief investment, uh, Christopher Darby. Another time, it put money into a satellite antenna maker, leading eventually to the development of a portal, portable satellite antennas that can help troops or intelligence agents communicate in remote locations. I've been told by our customers that, that the technology we delivered has saved countless lives, he said. In an example of the financial leaks some trustees have within the technology world, Mr. Darby also serves on the board of a for-profit tech company. <laughs> of course he does. 
InQtel doesn't invest in that company, which is called Endgame Incorporated, but the company competes with other firms in its field, cybersecurity, that sometimes seeks InQtel cash. If that happens, Mr. Darby doesn't take part in reviewing or the funding request, he said. Oh, I just don't get involved if it's a conflict of interest. Yeah. On the Endgame board, Mr. Darby serves as the non-executive chairman. He said stock options he receives are de minimis next to the roughly $2 million a year he earns as InQtel CEO. The CIA has, has reviewed his role at Endgame and signed off on his work there, people familiar with the arrangement said. Of the 325 investments InQtel says it has made since its founding, more than 100 weren't announced, although the identities of those companies have leaked out. The absence of disclosure can be due to the national security concerns or simply because a startup company doesn't want its financial ties um, to intelligence publicized. <laughs> yeah, right. People familiar with the arrangement said... While money-making isn't InQtel's goal, when that happens, such when a startup is funded goes public, InQtel can keep the profit and roll it into new projects. It doesn't obtain rights to technology or innovations. Uh Uh-huh. Sure they don't. Last part of this. At InQtel's headquarters, tucked in the back of an office uh, park in Arlington, Virginia, the lobby is sparse, the three blank digital screens on the wall and an American flag on the stand. Some executives wear jeans reflecting a Silicon Valley ethos. Its spiral ties are also evident. Its frosted windows and fingerprint scans are required to enter certain rooms. InQtel's investments include one made last year in Sci-Fi Works, a Massachusetts company that produces small surveillance drones. Sci-Fi's board includes Anita Jones, a computer scientist and former Defense Department official. She's also a trustee of InQtel, appointed in 2002. Miss Jones didn't connect Sci-Fi with InQtel, said Sci-Fi Chief uh, Helen Grainer. The suggestion in uh, the suggestion to seek InQtel funding came from another investor at InQtel. Miss Jones stayed out of the discussions of whether to invest. The firm said after InQtel put money in it. Uh, It suggested certain modifications to one of sci-fi surveillance drones, a model that can stay aloft for hundreds of hours because it's powered through a microfiber tether. Huh. Interesting. The resulting new drone called the Persistent Aerial Reconnaissance Communications, or PARC, is used by government and it is available for commercial purchase. An InQtel uh, could see the military opportunity, Ms. Griner said. They work with their customer base to say, this is what these guys are doing now, but that would be, would this be most useful? The trustees ties, as you can see here, between startups, investments, and specific names are these. Trustees work at the VC firm that invested in InQtel startup, uh, uh, in, InQtel backed trustees on the board of uh, the startup InQtel backed and then trustees is director of the firm uh, trustee is investor of the firm invested in InQtel backed up startups okay um Good question. Who cares? I don't know that answer. Howard Cox is one of the Intu- Intel InQtel trustees. Peter Barris, Anita Jones, Ted Schlen, and uh, Jami Misclick. Miskick? Yeah, Miskick. Asked if InQtel's investment boosted the the value of any stock options held by Ms. Jones, she and Sci-Fi said in a statement, the transaction may or may not have an effect on the value of options held by her. Yeah, you think? For Tara's case, was the only time InQtel funded a business that had been recommended by a trustee who was on the business's board, according to the venture capital firm. It said other times it was funded businesses where a trustee was a director. The trustee wasn't uh, the one proposing the investment. Of course they weren't. No, no, no. Um, let's see here. What else do we have here? 
Connections between trustees and funded companies are indirect, uh, such as parallel investments by the primary employer. Three of InQtel's 12 and trustees work for other larger venture capital firms. Uh, they've, they've invested in 13 businesses in which other firms are already held stakes. Peter Barris, the trustee, is a co-managing partner at New Enterprise Associates. Look them up if you want to find an interesting dig. Uh, New Enterprise Associates has a stake in a, a company called Clever Safe. Uh, Miss Barris didn't recommend the investment and vote for it, blah, blah, blah. A few years later, New Enterprise Associates increased the stake in Clever Safe to 25%, and Miss Barris joined Clever Safe's board. It's interesting how that works, isn't it? Yeah. Um, InQtel and Northwestern University are major investors. Northwestern University in Clever Safe. Isn't that interesting? All right, so that pretty much covers the, the summary of InQtel. I'm going to get this out there to you guys for those of you that want to do a a dig into some of the other names and companies behind this. The reason why this is important is because, as mentioned today uh, in the testimony, I believe it was, uh, they were working with a uh, nonprofit, and uh, there has been uh, mentions that this is the nonprofit. So when you're wondering who <laughs> who is behind uh, organizing this hoax, uh, while you, the taxpayer, are. Isn't that great? Your taxpayer dollars going to overthrow a sitting president. Nice, right? Got to love the world we live in today. All right. Uh, let me check in with you guys over here on Rumble. How are you guys doing over there? Magblue Skies, you're not paying me enough to turn my back from adults and babies screaming for help. I know. That's crazy, right? I don't I don't get it either. Let's go, Brandon. This is Pterodactyl. Good to see you out there. I hope all is well. Thanks for joining us here today on Rumble. Do me a favor. Hit that plus button in the bottom corner and subscribe if you haven't subscri- subscribed yet. Happy for Pauls. Thank you for the new follow. And O-Town Girl, again, thanks for the new follows over there on Twitch. You guys all hanging out today. Yeah, Tethered Drone, uh, which is interesting. Very, very interesting. All right. Uh, Let's see. Thumper Rose, those adventure capital firms are always interested. Check for former Treasury officials and Google. Right, exactly. Yes, indeed, Thumper Rose. Good call. All right, what time we got? Uh, already 5.30, still got some other important stuff to get to, so let me uh, take a quick sip of coffee, and we'll keep it moving here today. <sighs> Delicious Colombian coffee, you know what I'm saying? Uh, let's see here. Um, boy, they're still trying to shove that monkeypox bullshit down in the throats of everybody, aren't they? That's pretty hilarious. Uh, Nancy Pelosi gets caught taking communion even after being disciplined by the archbishop. Told she's unwelcome. (laughs) Uh, Poor Nancy Pelosi, you know. Why would she want, I mean, she's very, she's definitely a witch. You know what I'm saying? Like, why would she even go to church? I guess it's all for uh, for show. You know what I'm saying? Got to gotta make people think. Yeah. All right. Cheryl Atkinson has something new. Republicans flag misleading uh, info filed by Burisma's U.S. lobbying firm dated yesterday from Cheryl Atkinson. I haven't had a chance to read her, so uh, I wanted to get this into the fold today. Uh, the following information was largely produced from an announcement by Senators Johnson and Grassley. 
Senators Ron Johnson and Chuck Grassley of Iowa are questioning whether Blue Star Strategies, a Democrat lobbying firm, filed incomplete and misleading information with the Department of Justice. On May 12, 2022, Blue Star Strategies top executives Karen Tramento and Sally Painter filed under penalty of perjury Foreign Agents Registration Act forms with the DOJ regarding work they did on behalf of their foreign client Burisma Holdings and the company's allegedly corrupt Russia-aligned owner Michaela Zaleski. Um, Burisma is the Ukrainian energy company that paid President Biden's son, Hunter, exorbitant amounts of money while the company was trying to navigate a corruption investigation. Biden would later brag that, as vice president, he got the Ukrainian prosecutor on the case fired by threatening to withhold U.S. assistance. The senators say that based on their previous work examining the extent to which Blue Star Strategies met with the Obama administration officials on behalf of Burisma and Zaklewski, it appears that Blue Star Strategies FARA form lacked complete and accurate information. For example, on its FARA form, Blue Star Strategies disclosed that it had two meetings with the Obama administration officials and that its work with respect to Zaleski and Burisma began and ended in 2016. Blue Star Strategies' description of its two meetings disclosed on the FARA form is copied below. The senators wrote, quote, it appears the date of the meeting with Mr. Hochstein is inconsistent with our investigative records. Further, Blue Star Strategies' FARA filing states that it's, it is actively in with respect to Mr. Jaglewski um, and Burisma began and ended in 2016. However, our records indicate that the activity began in 2015 and extended several years after 2016. Accordingly, it appears that Blue Star Strategies failed to disclose several other meetings it arranged with U.S. government officials on behalf of Burisma and Mr. Jaklewski and in its FARA filing. The senators note that Blue Star Strategies failed to disclose on the FARA form at least nine other meetings it had with U.S. government officials, including two meetings with sitting U.S. ambassadors to Ukraine regarding Burisma and Jaklewski. Transcript interviews Miss Tremonto and Miss Painter were taken by Johnson's and Grassley's staff members. Interesting. Arata um, for the for the Toronto and Painter interviews can be found here and here, respectively. The full text of the letter sent to Merrick Garland can be found here below, uh, and that is it there. <clears throat> Let's see here. It says, accordingly, we request the DOJ provide the following information. Please provide all letters of inquiry and letters of determination. DOJ sent the Blue Star Strategies, its officials, and uh, affiliated entities. Did Blue Star Strategies, its officials, or any affiliated entity request an advisory opinion from the DOJ with respect to registering as a foreign agent? (laughs) Oh, Did they request an advisory opinion? If so, who did they talk to? Wow. During DOJ's review of Blue Star Strategies' obligation to register under FARA, did it review whether or not Blue Star Strategies shared informational material with U.S. government officials? If so, what was found? If not, why not? Please provide all copies. Was the DOJ aware of nine meetings Blue Star Strategies did not disclose on their May 2nd, 2022 FARA form? Did the DOJ review whether John Beretta should register under FARA for his work on behalf of Burisma and Mr. Zaklewski? If so, what did it conclude? If not, why not? 
How will DOJ address Blue Star Strategy's apparent incomplete FARA filings? How will DOJ determine whether Blue Star Strategy's apparent inconsistencies and inaccuracies in its FARA filing, as described in this letter, were deliberate? Uh-huh. How will the DOJ hold Blue Star Strategy's officials accountable if it determines these officials made deliberately inconsistent inconsistent and inaccurate disclosures on FARA forms? Please provide this information as soon as possible, but... No later than June 6th, 2022. Thank you for your attention to this matter. Very interesting. As it appears that uh, Johnson and Grassley are already looking deep into preparing for impeachment. <laughs> ah, so there you go. There's that today. Very, very, very interesting. Let me get this out there to you guys since there are several links in there that you may want to see. And have for your records if you want to look into that a little bit deeper. For sure, a very interesting finding today. There you go, Rumble. There's that. And I'll get that over there to uh, everyone over there on tour for when you guys watch the show later. All right. Um, hey, Nanonos, God bless you. Hang in there. DOJ will do nothing. Yeah, we'll see. And I think that's exactly why they stole this election, because they had to cover for the Biden crime family. You know what I'm saying? Uh, what's this? Oh, interesting. <laughs> nice. Nice find, Z. Okay. So there's that. Uh, let's see. Congress represents the U.S. district uh, that they are elected in the world's global trade. Indeed, all of Congress globally trading is a serious issue. It's that uh, that whole cooperation thing that the New World Order thinks that they're going to implement around the world. Yeah. Here we are. All right. Let's see. What do I have left here? Uh, Newland Pyatt Ukraine coup tape removed from YouTube after eight years. <laughs> uh, an FBI report. Um that shows that the FBI spied on 3.3 million Americans without a warrant and the GOP is demanding answers. Uh, leaked footage from inside the DC Gitmo of January 6th prisoners. I have that in the queue and then pretty much a summary of stuff after that. So about, uh, about three articles really left and then a, a news, a short news blitz. So I'll tell you what, let's just keep it moving. Newland Pyatt Ukraine coup tape removed from YouTube after eight years. I didn't know exactly what this was. The smoking gun proving U.S. involvement in the 2014 coup in Kiev has been removed from YouTube after eight years. It was the most complete version of the intercepted and leaked conversation between then Assistant Secretary of State Victoria Newland and Jeffrey Pyatt, the then U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, in which the two discuss who will make up the new government weeks before the dramatically elected Ukrainian President Viktor Yukonovich was overthrown in a violent coup on February 21st, 2014. <clears throat> the U.S. State Department never denied the authenticity of the video and even issued an apology to the European Union after Newland is heard on the tape saying, fuck the EU. Mainstream media at the time focused almost exclusively on that off-color remark and ignoring the greater significance of the U.S. interference in Ukraine's inter internal affairs. Consortium News has numerous time embedded the video in articles about the overthrow of uh, Viktor Yukonovich. CN successfully embedded it earlier this week in an article now being written, but it's on Wednesday the video appeared to on its way. Uh, 
but on Wednesday, the video suddenly appeared this way in the draft article video unavailable. This is the screenshot taken earlier from the video that has now been removed. Hey, the guy, you know, what he needs is Klish and tie book on the outside timing of the removal. The removal of the video that has existed online for eight years rages major questions as it comes during the war in Ukraine. Corporate media has studiously avoided mentioning the causes of the current conflict, including NATO expansion eastward, the rejected model Moscow treaty proposals in December, the civil war in Donbass, and the 2014 coup in Kiev that led to Donbass uprising and the violent repression by the coup government. The coup in 2014 is the starting point that led to all these events culminating on Russia's invasion in February. Removing the video will be consistent with the suppression of any information that falls outside the enforced narratives of the events in Ukraine, including whitewashing any mention of the U.S.-backed coup. Glenn, Re- Glenn Greenwald, of course, uh, massive censoring by big tech of conservative voices, but overlooked their primary allegiance when censoring U.S. security state, uh, indeed. Uh, it was the original most complete and widely viewed recording uh, of the call on YouTube. There were a couple other versions on YouTube, but the one that had the most views, it was posted on April 29th, 2014. It had almost 200,000 views. It's on Odyssey and Rumble, but they don't have to reach that YouTube in the video. All right. Um, there is a published transcript of the video, and that's all it uh, it shows. So let's see here. Um, let me see here. Let me uh, let me go over to Rumble real quick. Let me see if I can find it. I wonder if it's uh, how long it is, and maybe I'll just see if I can find it and get it out there to you guys. Newland Pyatt leaked phone call. Here it is. Has 46 views. It is. I can't tell. What do you think? Uh, Hold on one sec. Let me, I'm trying to see how long it is. It's four minutes. So shall we? (laughs) Yes, we shall. Leaked online for February 2014. This is a call between Newland and Pyatt. What do you think? Uh, I think we're in play. Um, the the uh, Klitschko piece is obviously the complicated electron here, um, especially the announcement of him as deputy prime minister. And, and you've seen some of my notes on the troubles in the marriage right now. So we're trying to get a read really fast on where he is on this stuff. But I think your argument to him, which you'll need to make, I think that's the next phone call we want to set up, is exactly the one you made to, to Yachts. And I, I'm glad you sort of put him on the spot on where he fits in this scenario. And I'm very glad he said what he said in response. Good. So uh, I don't think Cleach should go into the government. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess... <laughs> You think, in terms of him not going into the government, just let him sort of stay out and do his political homework and stuff. I'm just thinking, in terms of sort of the process moving ahead, we want to keep the moderate Democrats together. The problem is going to be Tony Book and his guys. And, you know, I'm sure that's part of what Yanukovych is calculating on all of this. Um, I'm kind of... I think Yatz is the guy who's got the economic experience, the governing experience. He's he's the guy, you know, what he needs is Cleach and Tony Book on the outside. He needs to be talking to them four times a week, you know. 
I, I, I just think Klitsch going in, he's going to be at that level working for Yatsenyuk. It's just not going to work. Yeah, no, it, I think that's, you know? I think that's right. Okay. Good. Well, do you want us to try to set up a call with him? Here's your next step. My understanding from that call, but you tell me, was that the big three were going into their own meeting and that Yats was going to offer in that context a, a three-way, you know, the three-plus-one conversation or three-plus-two with you. Is that not how you understood it? No, I think, I mean, that's what he proposed. But I think just knowing the dynamic that's been with them where um, Klitschko has been the top dog, he's going to take a while to show up for whatever meeting they've got. He's probably talking to his guys at this point. So I think you reaching out directly to him helps with the personality management among the three, and it, and it gives you also a chance to move fast on all this stuff and put us behind you behind it before they all sit down and he um he explains why he doesn't like it okay good i'm happy why don't you reach out to him and see if he wants to talk before or after okay will do thanks okay i've now written oh one more wrinkle for you jeff yeah uh can't remember if i told you this or if i only told washington this that when i talked to jeff feltman this morning, he had a new name for the UN guy, Robert Seri. Did I write yeah. you that this morning? Yeah, okay. I saw that. He, he's now gotten both Seri and Ban Ki-moon to agree that Seri could come in Monday or Tuesday. Okay. So that would be great, I think, to help glue this thing and have the UN help glue it. And, you know, fuck the EU. No, exactly. And I think we've got to do something to make it stick together because... You can be pretty sure that if it does if it does start to gain altitude, the Russians will be working behind the scenes to try to torpedo it. And again, the fact that this is out there right now, I'm still trying to figure out in my mind why Yanukovych that. But in the meantime, there's a party of regions faction meeting going on right now, and I'm sure there's a lively argument going on in that group at this point. But uh, anyway, we could uh, we could land jelly side up on this one if we move fast. So let me work on. Let me work on Klitschko, and if you can just keep, I, I think we want to try to get somebody with an international personality to um, come out here and help to midwife this thing. And then the other, the other issue is some kind of outreach to Yanukovych, but we probably regroup on that tomorrow as we see how things start to fall into place. So on that piece, Jeff, uh, when I wrote the note, uh, Sullivan's come back to me uh, VFR saying you need Biden, and I said probably tomorrow for an attaboy and to get the deeds to stick. So okay. Biden's willing. Okay, great. Right. Thanks. I remember playing this as soon as it uh as soon as it started making its rounds um uh not too long ago <clears throat> and uh <laughs> of course, you know, the media just no, no, no. No, no, no. Can't talk about this. I want to reread this again. I want to reread this again real quick because there's a this the way that they summarize what really happened um is really important. Corporate media has studiously avoided mentioning the causes of the current conflict, including NATO expansion eastward, the rejected Moscow treaty proposals in December, the civil the rejected treaty proposals in December, the civil war in Donbass and the 2014 coup in Kiev that led to the Donbass uprising and the violent repression by the coup government. That is a perfect summary. The coup in 2014 is the starting point that led to all of these events culminating in Russia's invasion in February. That is exactly right. 
and it is exactly the summary that you needed to hear that the reason why they're pulling this down right now is because they can't allow the narrative to shift with regards to the truth about what the United Nations and Barack Obama's State Department, including Jake Sullivan, has done for the destruction of Ukraine and the deaths and the lives involved in their horrific Nazi-supporting policies. So there you go. There's that. 50 minutes left. Uh, Report shows FBI spied on 3.3 million Americans without a warrant, and the GOP is demanding answers. Top House Republicans are demanding answers from the FBI after court-ordered information came to light showing that the federal agency had collected the information of over 3 million Americans without a warrant. In In a May 25th letter, as of yesterday... To Director uh, Christopher Ray, Representatives Jim Jordan and Mike Turner asked Ray to explain why his agency had wiretapped and gathered personal information on over 3.3 million Americans without a warrant. Limited authority to gather foreign intelligence information is granted by the FISA court. Specifically, Section 02 of the bill says the Attorney General and the Director of National Intelligence may jointly authorize the targeting, targeting of non-U.S. persons who are reasonably believed to be outside of the United States to acquire foreign intelligence information. However, this power can grant an expanded circle of possible searches to the FBI and other intel agencies who can use the same power against American citizens who had any interaction with the targeted foreigners. Historically, insight into how FISA has been used against American citizens has been limited and hidden behind classified reports. However, the November 2020 decision by the FISA, the Fisk Court, to which serves as a watchdog for U.S. intelligence agencies, required that the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, ODNI report, quote, the number of U.S. persons' queries by the, uh, run by the FBI against 702 required information. In accordance with these new requirements, ODNI recently released annual statistical transparency report included data on how often the FBI gathered information on American citizens using Section 702 in 2021. In total, queries against U.S. citizens came out to a jaw-dropping 3.394,053 searches. By comparison, only 1 million such or 1.3 million such queries were made in 2020 representing about 250% increase during President Joe Biden's first year in office. According to the DODNI, more than half of these queries, approximately 1.9 million, were part of the larger investigation of alleged Russian attempts to target or weaken U.S. critical infrastructure. The ODNI also admitted that on at least four occasions, the FBI failed to get fiscal approval before accessing the contents of information collected under 702. This is not the first time the FBI has been caught red-handed overstepping its legal authority under Section 702. In November of 2020, the FISC announced that the government reported numerous incidents in which the FBI reviewed information gathered under Section 702 without obtaining proper permission from the court. Oops. On other occasions, the FISC noted the FBI used Section 02 for issues entirely unrelated to foreign intelligence. These included queries for criminal investigations about healthcare fraud, transnational organized crime, violent gangs, domestic terrorism involving racially motivated violent extremists, as well as investigations relating to public corruption and bribery. None of these queries was related to national security, and they returned numerous 702 acquired products in response, the FISC noted. Rigorous congressional oversight of the, of the FBI's Section 702 related activities is essential. Essential given FBI's track regarding 
the track record uh, utilizing the FISA authorities, said Jordan and Turner. I would like to just insert this into here. FISA works both ways. In their letter to Ray, Jordan and Turner laid out a laundry list of questions about the report demanding full transparency and explanations on the revelation that the FBI has often overstepped its legal authority to spy on American citizens. Among other questions, they requested a full accounting of the 3.3 million citizens who showed up in the FBI's queries and the number of preliminary or full investigations into U.S. citizens by the FBI has initiated as a result of information obtained through any one of these U.S. person queries in the nature of of the predication for each such investigation. So the oversight of this is attempted to be happened happening by Jim Jordan. We'll see. We'll see. FISA works both ways in a, in a 250% increase in FISA warrants last year is uh, rather interesting. Don't you think? Yeah. Exclusive footage, secret video recorded recordings leaked from inside the hole of D.C. Gitmu. First ever footage released from the cockroach and mold infested cell of a January 6th political prisoner. This coming us to by Kara Castronova in the, the, the uh, Gateway Pundit. Um, the video recordings of, uh, of below feature Brandon Fellows, a 27 year old January 6th prisoner who has been in the gulag since last June of 2021. According to, uh, uh, fellows, his crime was taking two hits of marijuana inside the Capitol after having a conversation with police who told him he can go inside the first video fellows excited to be talking to the camera. And so let's see what we have here. Hello, uh, today is April 11th, 2022, it is 10.49 a.m. I want to show you something, so I'm back in my old cell uh, because of the clogged toilet. Look, I don't know if you'll be able to see, but they left water, poop water, presumably, on the ground. Can you see it? Can you see it? If not, well, it's there. Um, but even crazier, right? So... I don't know if I mentioned if it's my birthday, but it is. And I got my own version. I kid you not, man. I could not believe it. I got my own version of fireworks coming from my sink. It was the most disgusting uh, explosion I've ever seen in person. And I collected some samples. And I'm going to bring it in court and present it. But this is some... I don't know if you can make this out, but this is some of the fluid that shot out from that sink. This is not drugs, okay? These headphones, oh, this is a headphone case. Um, and look at this, bro. This is, I, I shoved it in there with it because it exploded all over my toothbrush. It was right next to the sink, right? The sink over there. So imagine, let me put this down. Turn the light on. I want you to imagine, look at that. So imagine that that sink, the hole, just like started, just like shot up and like stuff went all over. Let me get a better view. Uh, and stuff just went like from like there and like shot up to here and it splattered everywhere. And it was, dude, and so I collected it. It was all over my toothbrush. I, got, I had to get a new toothbrush. Fortunately, I had one this time. Um, my goodness, dude. I don't know if this is black mold. I don't know if this is just really nasty mildew. But it came from the sink. Bro, 
This is some nasty looking stuff, man. Either way, it can be healthy, and the fact that the sink is doing that, that's crazy. So, this is proof. I've got it. Hopefully, I could be able to turn it in um, to the court or my lawyer and have it um, on the 14th. The problem is, though, when I, when I bring this out, I'm going to see this bag with like a black and green nasty looking substance. They're probably going to think it's drugs. It's not drugs. And so I, I'm going to have to put like potential black mold or mildew exhibit and hope that they don't take it and also try to cover it up. But if not, they don't know. They don't know that I'm recording these things yet. So eventually this will get out to the public. Even if they say you're lying or we didn't take it, I'm not going to be able to present this video until months later. But today is April 11th. 2022. Um, yeah, man. See, bro, happy birthday to me. I was like, Psh. I was like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> so it's been a week now that I've been in solitary. They're supposed to get this dealt with within 72 hours, but you know when they when they say an investigation is underway, that's they forget like their policy. So I'm just still here one week later not being moved so yeah okay fellows were able to get a mold sample to an attorney and send to a lab testing um let's see uh yeah i would i would assume i'm not going to speculate on how he got it <laughs> Uh, this is the, let's see, the next video shows an electrical fire waiting to happen or an electrician of a prisoner. Uh, live loose wires protrude from the wall. Very dangerous and very disturbing. I wanted to show you the light switch. Look at that. Isn't that cool? Probably. Nice. I, I honestly don't really like to touch that switch. I touch that switch, which look at that, how clean it is. You can't see. Hold on. So there you go. Uh, this is a video series documents fellow's time in extensive solitary confinement where he spent 22 hours a day in his cell. His record time was spent in another solitary cell with a TV on for one to two hours a day. He's not allowed out of his cell between um, uh, at all between Fridays and Mondays. That is less than 10 hours outside of a cell a, a week. Uh, so this shows his sink with cockroaches in it. Uh, another video shows uh, getting emotional after seeing a small handful of grapes on his food tray. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Just uh, do me a favor and uh, check this out if you haven't seen this yet. Uh, grab that link and uh, share it far and wide. It's just, man, it is surreal. What is happening to, uh, to these people is uh, no accident, that's for sure. There you go. Grab that link out there, and let's wrap the show up here today with the last couple of links that I got out there for you guys. Thanks for joining us here today. As you guys have been hanging out with me all week, thank you very much for the support. I appreciate it. All for everyone over there on uh, uh, Foxhole, thank you for the gold pills. Thank you for the ship, uh, Warrior Mima. Trolls trying to interrupt chat. That's funny. <laughs> uh, it's good to see you out there. Thanks for being here today. Uh, thank you very much for the gold pills. Uh, there's a couple other articles that I want to show you guys here real quick, so stand by. Let me let me just check in with Twitch. Miss Talana, thank you for the uh, new follow over on Twitch, and as well as Happy Pause. Thanks, guys, for being here today. Good crowd over there today. Thanks for hanging out. I appreciate you guys. 
Uh, this is what we do every day, man. We just go through the important stuff of what's happening every day. So, uh, voila, trafficked Columbus woman aids FBI arresting doctor trying to buy a sex slave. There's the highlight. There's the headline out of Columbus, Ohio. The FBI has arrested a former Hilliard resident turned Florida doctor after a Columbus woman sent in a tip alleging that he tried to buy underage girls as sex slaves. Alan Lee, 26, faces charges of attempted sex trafficking of a minor and attempted coercion or enticement of a minor. NBC4 obtained documents related to the FBI's investigation into the doctor who worked at a Miami Beach, Florida hospital. <clears throat> Let's show the agency started looking into him in March when they got a tip from a woman in Columbus. So there you go. The investigation has begun into a sex trafficking ring. Reaching Florida, another drop today. This is from South Carolina. 12 defendants sentenced for major tax felonies and immigration crimes after a major uncover operation. This out of Florence, South Carolina, 12 defendants across seven construction-related companies have been sentenced for employment tax fraud felonies and crimes related to hiring unauthorized aliens in the largest criminal IRS operation in the history of the PD region. The convictions are the first to come in an expansive multi-year undercover operation in Myrtle Beach area and throughout South Carolina coast led by the IRS and Homeland Security investigations. The operation targeted those in the construction industry who used unlicensed cashier's checks to facilitate under-the-table cash payments to employees, many of whom were unauthorized aliens. The check cashers would also provide certificates of insurance falsely stating that the employees were covered under workers' compensation insurance. These uh, off-the-book payments defrauded the United States out of apical employment taxes on employees. Uh, at least $15 million in checks were cashed by these defendants, resulting in millions of dollars of losses by the government. So there is a pretty big one that is uh, happening over there in South Carolina today. Checking in with FCCED today to see if there's anything new over there. Uh, I do not see anything new since the last one. Tony Ragucci. Uh, being found guilty in the red light camera scream in, as part of the Madigan Mafia in Chicago. KPMG fined $3.4 million of old Rolls Royce audits, and the Wells Fargo's one also was a very interesting one, but nothing new today in FCCED. Let's go check in with the Department of Just Us to see if they ever figure out how to do justice. I'll wait. Uh, let's see here. Let's check in uh, with uh, just the press releases, please. Former FBI Deputy Warden pleads guilty to assaulting an inmate at the Parchman Prison. Federal officials adhere to, adhere to prior decision relating to the Nassar investigation. Interesting. The Nassar investigation. Huh. After a careful review of evidence gathered in the investigation of two former FBI special agents in connection with their involvement in the FBI's investigation of Lawrence G. Nassar, it is... It, adhering to its prior decision to not bring federal criminal charges. Huh. Interesting. That's kind of, that is pretty, that is kind of an interesting one there. Nascaro's hand, it should have been no way to approval to disreject the conduct of the former agents. So former FBI agents getting uh, slapped upside the head. Uh, Varanzic abandons proposed acquisition of crane composites following Justice Department suit to block. Uh, Washington man pleads guilty to committing a hate crime for arson in a Seattle nightclub. Justice Department secures forfeiture of Maryland property purchased in a $3.5 million list. Corruption proceeds linked to ex-president of the Gambia. <laughs> nice. Uh, Justice Department secures agreement in race discrimination and two rental properties in Georgia. Uh, they filed a complaint against six physicians in Texas related to alleged kickbacks 
and improper laboratory testing claims. Fourth defendant in the grandparent scam network pleads guilty to a RICO conspiracy. Huh. Joaquin Lopez of Hollywood, Florida, was a member of the network of individuals through extortion, fraud, induced elderly Americans across the United States to pay up tens of thousands of dollars for to help their grandchild or other close family relative. Illinois man pleads guilty to mail fraud and aggravated identity theft in an IRS uh, refund tax scheme. And that North Carolina turtle supplier sentenced to prison uh, as of yesterday. And that's where we leave off today. And another quick hour flies by. I hope you guys enjoyed the show today. Thank you all for hanging out with me as you guys do every day. Don't forget uncensoredave.com for all links and mypillow.com backslash Abe to help support. Thank you all for the gold pills over there on the app. Without you guys, I can't do this. The scratch-off has been released. Thank you all for joining us. I appreciate you guys very much. OG Mary's in the house, uh, out there um, getting dinner ready and uh, hanging out as always. All the lurkers and every, everybody out there that joined us today, thanks for joining. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Tomorrow is Friday. It's a chance for you guys to call in and, and, tell, and tell me why I'm wrong. Argue with me about something. Call me an idiot. Do whatever you want to do. It's a chance for you guys to call in and hang out with me tomorrow. So if you want to do that tomorrow, stand by for the Patriot Roundtable tomorrow night. I will see you guys 5 Eastern, 4 Central for another edition of Uncensored Dave tomorrow. Everyone over there on Rumble as well. Thanks for hanging out. DJ Camp, uh, Just Mojo, Chris, all you guys. Thanks for being here today. And with that, I want to say much love and God bless you all. We'll see you guys back here tomorrow for another edition of Uncensored Dave. God bless you all. Treat the word impossible as nothing more than motivation. Relish the opportunity to be an outsider. Embrace that label. Being an outsider is fine. Embrace the label. Because it's the outsiders who change the world and who make a real and lasting difference.